and then we're gonna start. Hey Darius, what's up? Hey, what's happening guys? How's it going? All good, all good. Thanks good, for good. joining us. No, no pleasure. So we have Vertex, we have HMX. Um, let's wait for Jeff from Hyperliquid. And then also from Mox, and then we're gonna start. Okay, so we have Vertex, we have HMF, we have MOOCs, and Jeff from Hyperliquid should join in a few minutes max. And then I guess we can start, guys. Meanwhile, uh, Jeff from Stake, can you can you talk, sir? Okay, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, perfect. Damn. Perfect. Yeah, I was struggling with uh, using my headphone. Uh, but then I couldn't turn off the unmute for some reasons. Yeah, but now I yeah don't use the headphone anymore, so it works. You guys can hear me clearly, right? Yeah, 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 perfectly. Okay. Um, I guess that's the signal to um, I guess officially start um the space. You know, sorry guys for the you know five minutes of clunky uh, start with the technical difficulties. Um. But <laughs> glad to have everybody here. Um, so we have four of the major PubDex protocols in the space with us, right? Thanks a lot, guys, for, you know, making the time to join in this space. Um, I hope it will be a fruitful discussion so that we can get something out of this, right, from both um, the panelists and also the people who have tuned in to listen. Um, so, yeah, uh, on that note, I guess we can start. So, yeah, uh, so this particular uh, Twitter space, right, is the first um, space that State Capital um, is running uh, with a lot of major projects in one sector. Um, so we, we hope, we really hope you guys enjoy it. But in terms of the content, right, the way we have structured this, uh, we have structured it in three sessions. Um, and we hope to wrap everything up by one hour, right? Um, the first session will basically be a discussion that we're going to have um, with the panelists um, going through our burning questions into the industry. Uh, what are the exciting things that are happening into the space? Um, and when we go to the second session, we're going to be uh, having a small sort of pub battle or pitching session where each of the project will get a chance um, to pitch their own project right it takes about three minutes to talk about the current developments uh, in a concise um, in, and quick manner current developments future developments um, something exciting uh, about the projects right and uh, once we wrap that up we go to the 
questions um, from the audience or people who have tuned in to uh, listen and yeah, they're free to ask the projects. Um, yeah, so that's how the content is going to go. Um, on that note, I guess uh, we can start with the first session and maybe uh, each of the project can do like uh, an overview, sort of introduction uh, about yourself, right? And what do you guys do in general? Um, on that note, can we start with uh, Hyperliquid? Um, can you introduce yeah, yourself? Sir? Uh, Hyperliquid is, the Jeff is still not here. So oh, I guess right. we can leave him for the last spot. Oh, okay. Let's start with someone else. Gotcha. I guess maybe we uh, we can start with Darius, sir, Vertex, if you can do the honor. Yeah, sure. I'm Darius from Vertex. Um, in a previous life, I was a TradFi trader, ran businesses and was an options trader, and then uh, jumped into crypto full-time three years ago. Um, and then started working on Vertex a couple of years ago. Um, Vertex is an order book exchange on Arbitrum. Um, and basically, our aim is to be as fast and cheap as possible for users. So we do spot and perps. Um, and the whole idea is that when you come and trade with us, it should feel as close to a centralized exchange experience as possible. Gotcha. But uh, thanks for the intro. Um... I guess next one, uh, um, HMX. Yep. Um, hey, my name is uh, Drogon. I'm from the HMX team. Um, I'm in charge of the marketing PR um, and also the head DGen uh, of HMX. Um, HMX is a perpetual um, protocol with cross-margin and multi-asset collateral support on Arbitrum as well. Um, and we offer lower fees um, trading on uh, many assets, including crypto, um, FX, uh, commodities, with up to a thousand X leverage. Right, and Mux LP. Oh, sorry, yeah, Mux, yeah, Mux Protocol. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone, this is Dumbert. I'm uh, one of the uh, growth contributors from Mux. So, uh, yeah, Mux Protocol is uh, the first perps aggregator. So it currently has aggregated with uh, GMX V1, V2 gains and Max Native Pool. So it offers um, a total of over 550 million uh, total liquidity. And uh, it will automatically route traders' positions to the most suited liquidity source based on uh, market uh, available liquidity, position size, and trading cost. So the goal is to uh, offer traders the best possible uh, trading experiences on chain and also uh, support needed size with the best possible cost. Sweet, thanks, sir. And lastly, to Jeff, well, not me, but Jeff from Hyperliquid, sir. Please give a round of introduction. Hey, guys, uh, I'm Jeff. I'm a core contributor to Hyperliquid. Uh, Hyperliquid, like all these other protocols, the goal is to basically bridge CFI and DeFi, offer a centralized exchange trading experience without sacrificing self-custody, decentralization, etc. Um, maybe one thing that sets us apart is we decided to build the protocol on its own L1. So the whole order book positions, liquidations, and everything um, are happened fully on-chain and transparently. Awesome. Okay, I guess we have covered uh, everybody for, for the round of introduction. Um, the first question, right, that uh, we've had um, is, you know, uh, pub, 
uh, perpetual debt sector as a whole have been uh, through a lot of developments uh, during the past year, right? But for people who are new to the DeFi space, uh, they might have seen you guys for the first time. Um, they're curious to know um, in terms of the history, the rise of PubDex as a major sector in DeFi and like, you know, um, like how it happened across the years. Um, we're curious to to sort of know like how it come to pass, right? From uh, PubDex two, three years ago to uh, PubDex right now. On this, uh, Darius, sir, would, would you be able to uh, give a history lesson on pubs? Oh, so I'm the group historian on PubDexes? <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't <laughs> pretend to be the expert, but um, I'll give you as I see it. So, um, I think you see right now um, this kind of two main types of um, perp decks. One is the pool-based approach um, as sort of typified or innovated by GMX. Um, and then there's the order book model, um, which was kind of the probably biggest proponent right now is DYDX. Um, I think historically you saw a lot of innovation from teams like Perpetual Protocol with their VAMM, um, which was another approach on this, but the market's like broadly settled on these two approaches. Um, you've got the GMX models, broadly decent. If you want to bootstrap liquidity from zero, um, you can kind of disintermediate market makers. Obviously, because of the way the pool works based off an Oracle, it has to have a lot of fat in terms of pricing to protect it from adverse selection. So it tends to be that those models charge their customers a lot in terms of fees. And then they also have fairly heavy funding rates um, just to make sure that the pools stay as balanced as possible. And when they get to very big sizes and very busy, they can struggle with scaling. So I know at points GMX have been a victim of their own success where positions have got very large and then it's been impossible for users to come and trade against the pool anymore. Um, order book has a kind of opposite problem. It's very scalable once you get to size. Um, so long as you've got good market makers and they're able to place liquidity, but um, it's difficult to bootstrap from the ground up. So there's plenty of failed order book decks where they've tried to come from zero and never really got over that first hump, which tends to have to be either some kind of internal liquidity provision or you need to incentivize liquidity to come on. Um, yeah, I know our project and Hyperliquid have both had slightly different approaches to this, but it's, it's both overcoming similar kind of problem, basically, which is get liquidity on the book so people can trade. And then once you have it, you can scale according to demand from users, which is ultimately what you want. Like, there is, I think you raised a pretty good point, right, in, in terms of order book uh, scalability uh, model and getting um, through that first hum. Like, I'm curious to hear this uh, from you and also from Jeff also, like, what is the key difference in uh, both of you guys, like, strategies to to get, you know, of that uh, first hum? Maybe, yeah. First, yeah. need to go first? Okay. I, mean, I can go. I don't hear Jeff. So. Um, with us, uh, we laid out a very clear token program, which was very generous. Um, and basically, we set the parameters and said, okay, early adopters of our platform 
will earn tokens ahead of time. I see that sort of meta being picked up by other projects now, but at the time it was fairly innovative. Most people were using an airdrop kind of methodology where they'd hint at an airdrop and then people would trade or invest on the hopes that they'd get something. We decided to make it very explicit. Um, and what we got with that was a bunch of partners that decided they wanted to be a big active part of the exchange from day one. Um, and so that deep investment from day one has been very beneficial. Um, I'll let Jeff speak to their strategy on how they've brought on liquidity and grown. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's cool to see what Vertex has done. I think basically only DYDX and Vertex have really succeeded at this, like according external market makers to be very aligned and almost like another part of the protocol. Uh, so very commendable job there. You guys have uh, very good liquidity on a lot of uh, key symbols. I think Hyperliquid had a pretty different approach. Um, our team's background is actually uh, market making. So we were engineers doing automated trading in crypto, very low profile, but pretty high market share over the previous bull run. And so we actually pivoted to building Hyperliquid because we saw such a big opportunity with FTX's collapse and the sort of general rise in this de customer demand for a more decentralized trading experience. Um, so we initially floated the idea of just doing the market making through our team, but I think that has a lot of parallels with FTX and Alameda, and we really just didn't want to open that can of worms. And so we pioneered this sort of marrying of um, market making on order books with a community-owned liquidity pool. Uh, we coined it HLP, which uh, it's, sort of, it's inspired by Uniswap and other Oracle-based approaches, but the pool of money uh, is not passively sitting there to be picked off by adverse selection, uh, like Darius said, uh, but rather managed through uh, a more a transparent uh, but automated strategy, which will uh, basically use short-term alpha from external sources uh, to ensure good spreads and execution for users, but also not, uh, not give away all of the pool's PNL to toxic flow. And so this approach has worked pretty well. It's, um, it's had its ups and downs. We had to adjust a lot because it was really an experiment uh, from all this sort of, sort of was like a new, it was a new idea. We weren't exactly sure the parameters to set at the beginning, but at this point, uh, HLP provides quite good liquidity. It synergizes well with external market makers who are also onboarding the Hyperliquid. Um, but it basically ensures that from day one, uh, on any new listing, there'll be uh, quite deep liquidity uh, and um, basically lets users participate in the upside of the protocol as well. So year to date, I think it's reached another all-time high uh, PL of uh, more than a million dollars since inception, uh, which is quite good ROI on the on the pool of assets. Uh, and yeah, we're excited to see where it where it grows from here. It hasn't been really the end goal. Like HLP's PNL has been very good, but really it is meant to be to solve this cold start bootstrapping problem. And so uh, we're excited to see Hyperliquid grow and see how it can synergize. Uh, HLP can synergize with. Uh, sort of these external traditional parties coming in and providing their liquidity on top of it as well. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting in itself because I was personally like observing the APR, right? And then P- the PNL, especially I think during two or three months ago when there was a lot of periods where it jumped uh, at, you know, 100, 200, 300% APR uh, from all of the market making activities. And you guys are able to list like new, exciting uh, long tail assets because of that. Uh, I know there are a thousand questions I want to ask you right now, but I don't want Dumbbird and Drogon to feel lonely. So I'm just going to step back and then uh, get back to the, the questions uh, in our question list. Um, so for uh, Dumbbird and Drogon, right, uh, we've seen sort of the trends of uh, like CFI uh, centralized exchange pubs uh, dominating the market, right? Especially two or three years ago, um, a lot of people go through centralized exchange to use all the, you know, pubs and also options right on Deribit. Uh, but now we're starting to see a lot of trends of, you know, major um, DeFi pubs protocols um, that are doing something innovative and different and a lot more demand and more volume through um, these different um, pubs. Uh, so yeah, on you know, in your opinion, what, what do you guys see in terms of uh, like DeFi pubs versus uh, C5 pubs in general? Are we gonna keep you know on continuing to see the trends of uh, more people opting to use uh, DeFi pubs? If so, why? Then if not, then what do uh, C5 pubs have um, in terms of you know the advantage over DeFi pubs? Maybe I'll start with uh, Dumbert first. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I think yeah, in terms of yeah, uh, DeFi was a CFI perps. Um, I think in the beginning, the major difference definitely the the user flow and the user user experiences that the, the users on two sides are used to. So I mean, on the DeFi side, it's just like the hung, the onboarding is definitely a lot like harder and with a lot of barrier, like setting up the wallet, getting the uh, the funds unchained, manage your own kind of assets, all that stuff. And then you need to sign all your transactions. When you trade on uh, a DeFi platform, it's all that barrier. It really kind of makes it like very hard for a lot of like retail users to really just have the motivation to try it. And on the other hand, like CeFi, they definitely have all the, like the, the main entrance for the, uh, the users. So it's a lot easier for them to onboard. Um, and, but I, then I think is when the uh, the Arco based uh, perf DAXs started to get popular, and with the the P two pool model, and as the pool size start to grow, like people start to realize, okay, on DAXs actually the trading cost as one of probably the main factor that affect a lot of decisions for the traders. Like on on DeFi, uh, it can actually be cheaper uh, comparing to CFI because if we consider all the uh, like like because trading costs is like composite factor it involves like open and close like those fixed risk costs and there's also funding fee borrowing fee rollover fee and also spread costs like price impact cost but with like um the people model really like the, the spread cost got minimized so for traders who trade with sizes they actually have a reason to go um, on chain so now like with the models beginning popular and uh, the liquidity of all those platform is growing kind of deeper as well so actually, it's kind of support larger size, so and gradually uh, making it kind of uh, like more um, like have more kind of just motivation for the uh, traders to move on chain. And I think just as the uh, competition gets like harder and harder, like the user experiences also is getting better on DeFi. So I think that's also make it easier for uh, more traders to onboard to uh, DEXs as well. Right. Interesting. What are your thoughts, Dragon? Um, do you, yeah, rhyme with that? Yep, to- totally. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the user experience, let's face it, um, if you're not a crypto native, has been pretty horrible um, using Cryptexes until like layer two came around. And obviously like DYDX was the first um, one to kind of crack the code and, and actually get traction, um, but they did it on their own chain um, and bringing on more institutional or um, traders and, and whales. Um, and the number of users, I mean, is t on a totally different um, scale, right? Um, on DeFi, you only have, you know, if, if you're getting a thousand active traders, um, you're doing quite well. Um, I, that's, that's nothing on, let's say, compared to Binance. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, and if we look at the space, we're at two to 3% of um, total futures volume compared to um, centralized exchanges. And um, I think, yeah, factors like being able to log in with your email, um, that's also another feature H HMX is working on. Um, but then you have people like uh, incumbents like Inf Infinix um, uh, with uh, synthetics um, coming in and, and using, utilizing um, synthetics pool um, in order to, um, uh, but allowing people to log in via emails. Um, and then I think there are also a lot of other features like um, that, that centralized, centralized exchanges can offer, um, like cross margin. Um, it's never um, been possible until this year, or um, that's when we started um, uh, we started seeing it in, in the PerpTech space. And then also, um, I think the key one that we need to crack as an industry um, is listing long tail assets. Um, and then um, I think with that, um, we'll see more order book based um, perp dexes, um, as well as as Oracle based um, perp dexes, trying to um, figure out how to do that. Um, we're also uh, developing a, an order book based um, perp dex um, to address some of those issues. Right. Okay. Um, okay. This, you know, chime into my next question sort of perfectly. Um, like, so, so the question is like order book model versus Oracle based um, model, right? Uh, for perp decks, um, you guys have mentioned order book quite a lot in terms of uh, scalability and then like liquidity. Um, but what are your thoughts in terms of uh, what are the pros and cons of these two models and which one is better? Uh, maybe I'll give this uh, one to Jeff. Uh, sure. I guess we're, every team is a little biased because they've kind of picked the way to go. And I guess people have invested a lot into the tech. And so I, I don't think there's a clear um, answer. I think at the end of the day, markets just need, they need to service the people they want to service. And so, uh, if, 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 a, if the mechanism design is not thought through, then sophisticated people will come and extract a lot of value from the protocol or the liquidity providers. Uh, so that's kind of the key problem. And um, in our mind, we, we have a background thinking very deeply about order book models and TradFi, that's however, almost all um, liquidity works and in Crypto, it has been the biggest success as well with centralized exchanges almost exclusively choosing order books. Uh, so it sort of is like a more clear solved problem. Uh, not as much innovation needs to happen there. It's the idea is just give people a way to express their preferences for prices and sizes and a way for them to cancel uh, if their preferences change. Uh, and so it, it makes sense why this works. And it, it, there's no reason it shouldn't work in a decentralized 
setting as well. The, the key challenge shifts to an infrastructure level, which is how can you support an order book that is sufficiently decentralized for how your protocol wants to build. And so with Hyperliquid, we spent a lot of time building the custom L1 to have the entire order book on chain. Other protocols, DYDX, uh, Vertex, um, have a hybrid approach where the, uh, the trades happen on chain, but the uh, order book itself is off chain. And these have different pros and cons. But I think between order books and pools, uh, the, I think it just shifts where the innovation needs to happen. And so with pools, uh, I'll let the other teams speak to that. But I think there's been a lot of work in trying to not have the pool get picked off by this uh, toxic flow. Dumbert, uh, do you like the pools? <laughs> I like them all because uh, aggregator. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, like Oracle base and Otterbook base, a lot of it kind of comes down to um, like which uh, type of trader this kind of model is the most suited for. Because I think currently there's uh, there hasn't been really just like a perfect solution that's uh, just good for all traders. Uh, personally, I do feel like uh, Oracle based uh, is more suitable for traders who trade with size and sometimes more like visioning trader, right? Just slide the the leverage to twenty x, fifty x, like hundred x, just to max bid uh, with the lowest possible kind of cost for you to bid this time. But then for uh, our book, sometimes it involves kind of more strategies, right? When there's our traders who's for trading, trading, some for uh, farming, trading, some for uh, to do like hedging, and some do like pawn strategies, all that. So I think, yeah, it's kind of comes down to uh, like which kind of trader this uh, type, this model is most suited for. And then I think from a product standpoint, it's also the thing between like, because um, I think for all perplexes, uh, they all need to balance between product performance, uh, user experience and uh, decentralization. So in this case, it's really hard to almost make this like impossible trinity. So they always have to sacrifice one, like one point or another. So like, yeah, as Jeff has mentioned, maybe for uh, some of the, the larger um, order book um, decks at this moment, like DYDX, the order book is off chain. So sacrifice the decentralization a little bit, but the performance is like, yeah, probably one of the best. And then when it comes to, uh, like oracle based model like sometimes it might sacrifice again it's also this standardization part because some of the key uh components like the keeper module or oracle module also has to be off chain so yeah it's just like uh, right all right interesting question right jogan um what prompted you guys to like try to scale and build an order book model um, while you guys are using Oracle based model right now and rehypothecating uh, liquidity on top of um, GMX, um, GM pools, right? Yep, to Dumber's point, um, yeah, you definitely have different uh, target groups of users. Um, and one of the issues that um, we run into um, when working with the Oracle based model is definitely the price manipulation, especially for long tail assets. I mean, the, the main reason um, I think a lot of people onboarded onto Binance in like 2018 and how they became so big was that they were, or 2017, um, is that they, they were the first one to list everything. Um, and then you see, you know, like Gate um, getting a lot of traction because now they're, they're the one, um, they're the Binance version of, of this cycle. Um, in terms of listing assets as, as soon as possible. Um, so if we think we can solve uh, that issue with with um, the order book model, um, and then also with um, the um, 
tech development um, and, and different features that are now available um, on L2s, um, we think it is, um, it, it's possible in 2023, um, but it's not really been possible um, bef before this. Um, so that kind of inspired us um, to, to explore the, the order book based model. Right, right, gotcha. Well, uh, for for the next questions, right, I'll, I'll ask Darius um, because I I just recall that uh, Vertex has already reached an extremely high sort of volume. Um, not sure if it's like yesterday or during the past few days, right? But I, I recall like seeing that uh, somewhere. Um, so, do you guys see uh, different trends of you know traders or trading behavior? Um, when the you know market pumps, when there's a high volatility periods, um, like these days, right? Compared to um, a few months ago, uh, when everything was calm, like what are the type of traders um, that are trading to your uh, on your platform right now, and what do traders usually look for uh, when they look at the pop decks? I mean, um, factors outside of the trading uh, loyalty program or emissions, of course, um, what, what do traders uh, sort of look for in the publics? Yeah, I mean, I think with us, we do, Jeff sort of alluded to this, we have a similar model to DYDX where, yeah, we're bringing on kind of whales, slightly more sophisticated users, and the main things to do with liquidity. So... When we see a lot of volatility, it tends to be the fact that we have decent liquidity on the books means that we see more trading. Um, and then there's sort of this virtuous cycle where the more trading you see, the more liquidity you see, because then for market makers, that becomes more profitable as they see more people crossing bid offer and kind of the whole thing goes round and round. So um, I think for me, I, I look at, our kind of colleagues in the perp space and you know we've been fortunate to have some success over the last couple of months um and you know it's been a steady grind since we launched seven months ago the real thing now is to say okay well how can we compete with the larger centralized exchanges you know dydx is kind of the king in the perp deck space they still only doing really one to two billion dollars of volume a day um and if you want to be major in the exchange space as a whole, you probably need to be doing 10 times that. Um, and so the challenges from my point of view aren't really the ones that are unique to Vertex because with us, it's really about getting more liquidity providers, having people there on the books who are active. It's just kind of typical exchange stuff. The bit that is more challenging, and I'm pretty sure everyone on this call has the same challenge, is how do you make DeFi itself easier for users? How do you simplify things like wallet UX? How do you solve the on-ramping, off-ramping problem? How do you solve bridging between different chains so that um, bridging and custody can run cross-chain, multi-chain, however you want to view it? But if you if your aim is to have something that can be competitive with a Binance or a KuCoin or a Gate, you really need to have all those features in. And right now, I don't think anyone has cracked that. Um, and so those are the big things that I spend a lot of time thinking about. How do we get to that? How do we scale to that large size where we can list hundreds of markets, 
dozens of chains and have users just move seamlessly between them all while staying self-custodied and have all our trades cleared on chain. That's the big challenge from my point of view. But you, you, Darius, you raise a pretty good uh, point on, on these challenges, right? And the complexities that uh, comes with it. I'm just curious, what are what what do you think would be the biggest roadblocks that are you know hindering the progress on this front right now? Um, I think if I had to pick one thing, it would probably be wallet UX. Like if you talk to a standard centralized exchange user. And you say, okay, you should go and use Vertex or Hyperliquid or Mux or whatever it is. The first blocker is how do you use a wallet? And as soon as you're asking people to sign a seed phrase and put it to one side and keep this, they just lose interest. It's too hard. And I think once you solve that, and it is coming, right? You see people coming up with account abstraction models, uh, service providers where you can use like a email login to log into your wallet, whatever it is, it's just no one's really cracked it yet. Once someone cracks it in the right way, I think you'll see that um, non-custodial DEXs will just open up and do loads more activity. Right, Jeff, um, is this something that Hyperliquid is also um, focusing on in terms of the UI UX, um, the experience that users have on your platform to make it as uh, sex-like as um, you possibly can? Uh, yes, absolutely it is. Um, we've had, I want to echo a lot of what Darius said. I think the problem set does change at, at some scale of volume. Uh, the it really is like how do we get the centralized exchange flow uh, into DeFi and uh, I do think yeah there are many components and onboarding is like the first part of the funnel and if people are too confused on how to use your platform it doesn't matter how good your liquidity is or uh, what cool assets you've listed if they can't get collateral there then they won't be able to trade and so uh, yeah we're we're very very keen on solving this problem as well um, we're yeah we're in the works with some product here that we're pretty excited about uh, we've been working with a pretty interesting integration uh can't say too much about it yet but it is in the final stages of getting audited um and we hope to launch this uh in the coming weeks i don't want to jinx it uh with <laughs> with the uh, engineering timelines but um yeah we think we have a, a, a cool solution to this and looking forward to getting the feedback from the users uh and and yeah just kind of pushing the space forward i, I do think it is a very solvable problem. It's a little, it's a little surprising that it hasn't been solved given how long crypto has been around. But I do think, uh, like a year from now, everyone will be interacting with DeFi in a, a very different way, uh, in a better way, in a more seamless way. So uh, excited, excited for the future. Oh wow, I'm getting goosebumps just for uh, you know listening to to you saying that. Uh, that's going to be coming out in weeks, right? And is it going to be available to everybody or just a group of um, like power users? Uh, it will initially come out for power users. We want to basically beta test it, make sure the the flow is good. Um, but, and then, yeah, it, it kind of comes together with uh, some other upgrades that are more less features more sort of decentralization and so we're kind of doing these two things uh at once which is why it's a bit of a it's quite a big change uh but 
hopefully by year end, um, everyone will have access to this, this new way of uh, trading. Damn. Exciting, exciting. Uh, thanks for the alpha, sir. Um, okay, we're, we're going to get to the second session, right, uh, where everybody gets to share the alpha. But I, yeah, I'm super excited for, for Hyperliquid's uh, alpha. Uh, but yeah, um, so we, okay, we've talked about uh, sort of traders' behavior and uh, traders' like, trend, right? Uh, what about liquidity providers and uh, like the trends in general? What do liquidity providers um, look for when they choose a PubDex to essentially provide liquidity? And I know for one, right, of course, emissions, but outside of emissions, what do you guys see, um, you know, LPers um, looking for? Maybe I'll ask um, Drogon. Yep, I think uh, the main thing is risk um, and, and how the platform safeguards the LPs. Um, so on the HMX side, you know, we have things like adaptive funding fees um, as well as um, uh, adaptive uh, trading fees, um, that, which is a new feature um, that is currently getting audited as well. Um, so for that, we'll be able to um, increase our OI um, and also at the same time list um, more mid to small uh, market cap um, tokens. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, in, in general, um, we love the LP-based model as well, um, as it's one of the few things in DeFi generating real yield from real users um, and not just token emissions. And I think um, now we have had some track record as an industry, um, meaning the Oracle-based, um, pool-based um, perp dexes um, that, that larger players can come in and get comfortable with. Right. What are your thoughts, sir, Dumbert? Uh, yeah, I think echoing uh, Drogon's point, definitely like risk, risk is like the top one factor because uh, a lot of time it doesn't matter if the APR is so juicy, like 200%, but if people don't trust the platform or they don't, there's not enough kind of safety uh, mechanism being applied, then uh, yeah, uh, not a lot like bigger LPs will AP. So yeah, definitely kind of risk first. And then the second thing I think is also the complexity for the uh, LP to actually like supply liquidity. Because based on different models, there are uh, yeah, just like different complexity involved. So the Oracle-based like P2Pool model, like uh, like Max LP, JLP, for example, uh, those those ones will be fairly easy because uh, yeah, retail traders or more like um, like bigger LPs, they can easily enter it. And then it's kind of a matter of like, do you need to actively hatch the, the principal risks? But then when it comes to uh, like order book base, I'm assuming uh, it's gonna involve more kind of complicated kind of market making kind of strategies. So it's just like, yeah, it's gonna be suitable for different kind of LPs with different expertise. Yeah, and then the third thing is definitely the, the, the kind of income or revenue sharing model of the protocol itself as well. So it depends on kind of how much volume it, the uh so how much uh, revenue the volume can generate and then how much those out of those revenue actually go to the lps things like that mm, interesting i just want to ask um vertex darius right uh, because the liquidity like lp model from vertex itself is pretty unique in itself also um like how, how did you guys initially sort of bootstrap your liquidity right and also um like what were the liquidity providers' behaviors in a way uh, when they come to provide liquidity on Vertex and what they, like, what do you think they look for when they sort of choose um, Vertex over like other um, decks? Um, yeah, I, I think our focus with Vertex was 
and this applies to everything is how do we reduce friction almost all defi based trading is super super high friction whether it's bridging how you connect to a chain you know whether a protocol is helpful engineers responsive etc etc so um it's kind of boring but we basically just try to make things as easy as possible so we have very stable well-documented apis um we built our order book to be very very low latency and high throughput um we made sure that security was very clear and easy to understand and as safe as possible um and i think you know one of the advantages was um myself and SJ who works with me are from a trading background and we just went around and spoke to as many prop firms as we could find and we laid out the value proposition and we tried to make it a win-win and uh we were lucky enough that we met some really big uh reliable partners who agreed with our outlook and came on board and helped us build the liquidity so there was no like secret source as such the the real answer was make it easy for people and build win-win partnerships and they came in and helped us right right makes sense create the environment where it's easy for um like wish people investors whales institutions to aid their capital onto your platform cool um yeah. yep so our last question uh, that we have for the first session right is um what do you guys think the public landscape will look like in a year or two from now um what features functionalities or architectures um do you think will become more prominent in the space i'll um, give this question to jeff uh yeah what features are more prominent i think i really think that there's there's a very good chance that in a year or so the DeFi and CFI will sort of reach parity and it's i think it's like a very ambitious thing to say but uh i think working sort of in the trenches uh day to day it really it, it really does feel like things are coming together and we're more bullish than ever like on the sector so yeah i don't think it's there are no like secret new features that i think necessarily will will be like super innovative on top of centralized exchanges in the near future because i think there's quite a bit of catch-up to do just to get to get that flow like there's like 100x maybe like 50 to 100x the flow that doesn't currently isn't aware of DeFi, and like there might be flow out there that is shut out from CFI that would jump at an opportunity to use DeFi. So maybe the actual addressable market is is many orders of magnitude bigger than uh, it currently is. And so that's that's what we're most excited about. Uh, and I think as a whole space, that's that's what the most exciting thing is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I hope for that too, personally, like hope that we can see more convergence, right? Onboarding that billions of users um, to, to DeFi and then make it easier for uh, a lot of, yeah, just users in general to use all the apps in a way where they're just using uh, like normal apps, right? Going to Amazon, going to like that e-commerce, like not knowing what is happening behind the scene, right? 
So yeah, I hope we, we come to that like very, very soon. Okay, so yeah, uh, I guess we can move on to the second session. Um, each of the project, right, gets up to three minutes to pitch um, about the project, um, talk about the current developments, some exciting metrics, uh, some future developments, um, some alpha that you guys would like to share in this space. Um, so on that note, I'll start with Drogon HMX. Yep. So as mentioned before, HMX is a perp dex uh, with cross-margin and multi-asset collateral support on Arbitrum. And since launch um, three months ago in, in August, um, HMX has uh, achieved many milestones. Um, we're we are consistently ranked in the top 10 for global perp dexes um, in terms of trading volume. Um, we're doing around 40 to 60 million in uh, US dollars in daily volume. Um, and that's without uh, the STIP or Arbitrum grant as well. Um, and we have around 200 daily active users um, and over 4,500 unique users um, with cumulative trading volume of 6.5 billion. Um, we're a team of builders and are consistently adding new features. So in the past two months, we have launched Python SDK API to capture quant traders and programmatic traders, uh, trading segments of, of the users. Um, we also launch our customized uh, index market, um, allowing users to trade features on a basket of related assets, um, betting on a larger trend and taking less um, idiosyncratic risks. Um, so two weeks ago, we listed our proprietary index, um, which is uh, DIX currency index, um, which is similar to the Dixie um, index for those uh, that are familiar with FX trading. Um, we also did uh, migrated our um, uh, LP pool, which is called HLP, um, and it rehypothecates uh, GMX liquidity. Um, so we migrated um, that to um, the new GM pools. So now HLP pool is consisted of 40% um, GM BTC, 48% um, GM ETH, and then 11% USDC. Um, APR last week was around 29.6%. Um, and then LPs will also um, receive extra rewards from the Arbitrum STIP grant um, in the forms of ARB. And we also, um, which is something we're pretty proud of, um, now have two to three seconds order execution time. Um, so as, as from our research, it's one of the fastest um, in the public space. And also PWA. Um, so we have, even though we don't have a mobile app, um, we created um, PWA and allow users um, to have a very seamless experience, um, trading experience on their uh, mobile phone. And then in terms of future protocol developments, um, we'll we're going to come up um, with a lot of different features uh, and, and have them planned for um, the rest of 2023 and, and for next year. Um, including uh, variable trading fees, which I mentioned, um, which uh, will be a function of liquidity, depth, um, volatility, and trading size um, on centralized exchanges, um, allowing us to list mid and low market caps tokens while safeguarding LPs um, from pot potential Oracle price manipulation. Um, and then we'll also be listing more um, indexes like uh, layer two indexes, um, or index. Um, imagine if you can just one click trade. Ding, ding. So, uh, three minutes is over. Uh, but you know, thanks, thanks for that. Uh, I think it's pretty comprehensive. Um, so uh, from HMX, HLP, I guess to the next one, HyperLiquidX, um, also HLP. Jeff, if you can. 
<laughs> yeah, there's, I guess there's a, a lot of contention for three-letter acronyms. Um, yeah, so maybe I'll talk a bit about what we've been working on lately. Um, we, it's, this is week three of the points program we're launching, uh, or we have been, we've launched and uh, is currently ongoing. Um, we're pretty excited to take this step um, towards ultimately decentralizing. Um, one unique thing about Hyperliquid is that it's uh, fully bootstrapped. So we have no external investors, uh, no DMMs, uh, no special deals for anyone. Uh, the liquidity itself is also community owned uh, and fully transparently uh, living on the, on the L1. And so this is a, just really a big part of our ethos. And um, we, we try to make the points program part of this ethos as well. And so uh, there's no explicit formula. It's similar to what Blur and Frentech kind of pioneered. Uh, we want to ultimately have the points end up in the hands of real users. And so we find that by not having an explicit formula, all of the farming airdrop farmers and the firms who are really good at farming airdrops shy away from it. And uh, we're very confident the, the ultimate distribution will be uh, one of the best um, in the industry uh, and will help propel Hyperliquid into uh, actual full decentralization. Um, yes, yeah, so that's one big thing we're really excited about. Uh, we think it makes Hyperliquid one of the most attractive places to trade. We have almost 100 assets. A lot of the long tail uh, can be some of the most liquid places for uh, retail and large traders alike to trade. So accounting for the very low 2.5 bit taker fee and make rebates for everyone. Um, one bit spreads on a lot of the most liquid uh, tokens. You can get six to seven figure size relatively easily. And um, I guess, I, I don't know when I started, cut me off whenever, but we're also building uh, a lot of the pro features that De DeFi is missing for users. So something like scale orders we rolled out, uh, TPSL, partial TPSL, um, dragging those around on the chart. All these things that the pro users are used to and take for granted on centralized exchanges, we're painstakingly adding them all engineered specifically on the Hyperliquid L1 to, to really provide the full uh, trading experience for pro users. So more of those coming soon as well. Uh, and yeah, thanks for hosting uh, all of us. I think this was a really great discussion uh, and looking forward to doing more of these in the future. Awesome. Um, next one um, to Darius, sir, Vertex. Uh, yeah, thanks. So um, I think for us, our main focus, as I said right at the beginning, has been on liquidity, right? And the way that we've done that is speed. So I think we're probably the lowest latency exchange on the call. And fees, we're probably the cheapest on the call. And so for users, that means that when you come and execute, you get very low slippage and very low fees. And at the moment, um, we have Arbitrum incentives from the STIP program. Um, and we have Vertex rewards, which are now liquid with the launch of our token uh, this week. So it's a very, very cheap time to come and trade with us. Um, and if you come and trade with us, you get these ARB tokens. You also get the Vertex tokens. Um, you're very early to become part of our community and help get a piece of what we're growing. So um, 
we're committed to kind of growing token utility at the moment it starts with staking which launches next week so people that stake the token get a piece of um, the exchange revenues and that kind of completes our v1 for this year um, which was all our targets was get to the point where we had users were doing some hundreds of millions of dollars worth of volume a day um, and have a token model where we could share some of the success of the platform with our user base. Um, I think V2, which we'll aim for next year, is really to do with scaling. So how do we scale to hundreds of assets? How do we scale to many blockchains? How do we scale to many different types of users such that we make um, onboarding and on-ramping and just trading on the platform easier. So we have the basic format of what we need right now. Now it's time to how do we go really, really big. So yeah, that's that's it basically. That's my excitement for next year and that's kind of where we're at right now. Awesome. Okay, and lastly, Dan Bertzer for, our, uh, for MOOCs. Hi. So yeah, Max itself, yeah, uh, offers the first uh, perp-sex aggregator that's available on the market. So yeah, aggregative is, again, GenMax V1, V2 gains a Max native pool with a total aggregated liquidity depth of uh, 550 million plus. So yeah, an aggregator offers 80 plus market, uh, up to 100x leverage, and also, yeah, fast execution speed under a second and zero uh, percent spread and press impact for uh, all integrated. Sorry, for uh, ET, uh, Ethereum, Bitcoin positions, and also uh, some like Twitter beneficial features like yeah, limit order to order, uh, TPSL for all integrated protocols, and also some unique kind of aggregator features like um, uh, like one or split orders to a suited liquidity source and also automatic kind of uh, position routing. So yeah, this, with all those features and uh, market liquidity backed, uh, Max was able to hit uh, 21 billion accumulated trading volume in 15 months. And uh, before the uh, RB incentive kicks off a week ago, like the, the, the trading volume was totally organic with no incentives traders. So it's all from like, uh, user adoption. So that kind of covers maybe 19 million of the total volume. And from all the volume, we were able to hit like 30 million uh, income for the native pool and also helps contribute over 4 million for our integrated broadcast pool as well, including JLP, GM, GDI. So, and the majority of the income is all shared with uh, um, uh, LPs and holders. And the last thing is, yeah, Max was uh, honored to be qualified for a uh, $6 million ARP grant. And all that is currently being used to rebate um, all the integrated protocols uh, fee rate. Uh, is uh, mainly covering open and close fee, and uh, we will rebate 100% of those fees. So currently, yeah, just like trade on Max. Doesn't matter if you open like GMX or gains or Max positions. Yeah, no open and close fee. So likely one of the uh, lowest offering on the market at this moment. Awesome. Right. There's uh, uh, like about one minute or so left. Do you want to talk a bit about the um, future exciting developments um, that you guys want to, you know, share? Oh, yeah, sure. So I think uh, for the future three parts, one is for liquidity. So definitely we're, uh, we're currently working on a new liquidity setup on top of the existing native pool. 
So we'll try to meet like different LP3 preferences. So there's going to be a delta neutral pool and the leverage mining pool. And then the next thing is on the trading side. So we definitely try to uh, expand the uh, market diversity. So at this moment, yeah, the Max uh, devs are actually working on an intent-based uh, new, new trading setup. So after that is being uh, plugged into the existing aggregator, and hopefully we can uh, list like more long-tail assets uh, easier. And then the last thing is um, on the integration side, because yeah, as an aggregator, definitely we'll try to aggregate with uh, more uh, like leading protocols in the market. So, and like, yeah, definitely would love to uh, aggregate with uh, like different um, uh, like trading setups, uh, like Oracle base and order book base. So like the aggregator can be suitable for, for uh, traders with different kind of trading needs. So yeah, won't, won't just be limited to this kind of digital trading, but also can do like uh, more kind of sophisticated trading strategies on the aggregator. Awesome. Sweet. Um, so I guess that wraps up the second session, right? I think we, we only have a bit of time for the last session where we open the floor for anybody who have tuned in, um, who want to ask questions to um, anybody on, on this panel, right? Yep. So if you have any questions, feel free to raise your hands right now. Um, and yeah, we can um, go to that session. Anyone? Anyone? Oh, I guess. Hello? Don't be shy, guys. Nobody here is going to bite you. Well, we're all good people. Hey. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Yeah. My, my name is Optica. Um, wonderful panel. Thanks for organizing and uh, really interesting to hear all these perspectives in, in one place. Just curious for the, the founder panelists. How do you think about your um, like personal regulatory risk as it relates to operating a, a perp exchange? Are you like concerned at all about um, like nexus to the U.S. or uh, you know sort of other things like that in light of like all the scrutiny um, exchanges have been getting? And 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 how are you mitigating that if you are concerned? So, yep. Any anybody in the panel, feel free to yep. Answer that question. Um, I mean, Optica, uh, so it's like you're summoning Sauron to this call. <laughs> so I'll try and answer this. You know, as, uh, we have to face back. we have to face our our fears and throw the <laughs> ring into the fire. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so I think from I'll speak to our experience at Vertex. I think it's pretty clear that there's a lot of um, regulatory risk involved with operating within the US. And as a result, we've made an effort to um, exclude US users um, from our platform. Um, this was an approach we borrowed from DYDX, um, and we just figured it it kind of made the best sense. Um, I think speaking on a personal basis, you know, we'd love to engage with regulators on a more proactive footing um and my expectation is in the next couple of years um probably crypto regulation is going to become clearer um i think the news stories out of binance this week um and other developments lead me to believe that probably there's going to be more clarity for what happens with a non-custodial 
decks. Um, and as that becomes clearer, the correct approach um, will become clear. And I, I think everyone will have a different approach to it. Um, but, you know, for us, we think that that can be a, that the ability to engage positively with regulators, and most of my team come from regulated environments, can be a benefit in the long term. Cool. Thank you. Right. I think we have two more people um, who want to ask some questions, right? I think, June, you want to ask some questions? Uh, yeah, I have one question. Actually, <laughs> I just would, would like to ask a question to the Hyperliquid team. Uh, I think the Hyperliquid team is successfully using the point system now with a lot of people. But uh, is there anything you can teach them about how to earn point effectively? Uh, good question. Yeah, this is one of the most asked questions uh, in the Discord, and we're very strict about not giving anyone unfair advantage to how it works. And I know this can, at first blush, seem a little frustrating to users because they're used to the explicit formulas. But if you think about it this way, like as a user, what do you care about more? Do you care about making more points, or do you care about knowing how points work? Because I really think it's a direct trade-off. It's kind of like the mean, like, do you want to make money or do you want to be right? And I think most people want to make money. Um, and uh, if you look at explicit point formula um, systems, uh, you can see that the market is actually very efficient at pricing rewards, and they will do the game theory optimal strategies to farm the rewards. So for example, if there is an epoch um, and you do the analysis, the thing you're supposed to do is all trade at the very end of the epoch because if you trade earlier, it's hard to value the amount of points, uh, the amount of volume you need to do to get a fixed amount of points. And so everyone trades at the very end. And it just, it just leads to a lot of inorganic behavior, uh, which it doesn't, it doesn't make the metrics good. It helps platform collect more fees in the short term, but over the long term, tokens by and large do not end up in the hands of real users. Um, and with Hyperliquid, we're trying this innovative approach where yes, people will yell at us over and over again that the formula is not explicit, uh, that they want to know how it works. But at the end of the day, per organic activity, uh, we think users, real users will get an order of magnitude more uh, rewards. And we think long term, this better aligns the token holders. You don't want, um, you don't want uh, everyone to uh, basically be cut out of the system and to have uh, just a few whales uh, dominating uh, the network. So uh, unfortunately, can't give the details, but it's kind of for everyone's uh, safety, I guess. All right, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your amazing product, yeah. Awesome. Um, I think we have another question, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um, wait one sec. Oh, okay. Yep, the guy who wanted to ask the question left. Um, okay, I'll go for a last question. If anybody has um, the last question to ask the panelist. Anyone? Uh, there is the guy. Who's asking the specs? So, 
I'm inviting him as a speaker. Let's see if it works. Okay. Hello, can you hear me? Hi. Yes, sir. Hi, good day. So I had a uh, question, um, a general question. So in terms of the codexes, most of them, the uh, liquidity pools, so by hyper liquid and I know for Vertex, they have like the hybrid system with work uh, and liquidity pools, but the, for them, for I don't think the, in terms of the pools, the APR is that great. Uh, pools, the APR is that great. So for Vertex, I think, and for like the other DEXs like um, HMX and MOX, it's kind of expensive to, MOX, it's kind of expensive to, so I'm wondering if the for the future, if is the if you think the order book is really the future or the hybrid system is the future. I think the pools only because with, with at least with those fees, is it possible? Will you think uh, will it be possible to bring down? Is it possible? Will you think um, to sexes with um, with the um, with the pools or do you think the hybrid model using the order book and the pools is your do you think the hybrid model? Okay, thanks. Yeah, I guess I'll take the question. The question. Um, yeah, so in terms of fees um, for ETH and BTC pairs, um, we actually match Binance fees um, if you are a, a taker um, on Binance. Um, so it's 0.04%. Uh, um, and then in terms of um, all, all coins or um, uh, non-ETH BTC, um, it's 0.07%. Um, so um, you know, I, I understand it's a little more expensive um, than centralized exchanges, um, and we definitely hope to lower that in, in the future. Um, but I think uh, yeah, we're, we're getting there um, as an industry um, as we figure out the pool base, oracle base, um, perp dexis model. Sweet. Okay, I guess that wraps up the the session and the Q and A session, right? Uh, so yeah, I guess um, that's the end of the sessions that we have planned for today. Um, thanks a lot for the audience for attending and listening to us, and also um, really uh, appreciate all of the panelists, right? Uh, HMX, Mux, uh, Vertex, and also Hyperliquid. Um, in coming in and sharing your insights um, in the Twitter space today. Thank you guys so much. Um, so if you guys, like, as an audience, um, if you have additional questions, right, feel free to ask uh, in the chat below. Um, and yeah, or attack um, the projects themselves. And like, hopefully the projects will, you know, answer all of your questions and your queries um, over there. If you are interested to try out all of their platform, right? I really suggest um, you guys to go through uh, their Twitter page and um, go into the platform and test things out by yourself. Trade on all of different platforms, provide all of the liquidity on all of these platforms as well. Uh, many of these have exciting incentives um, giving off to traders and also to liquidity providers right now. All right. Thank you guys again for attending and hope you guys have a great day or great night, you know, wherever, wherever you guys may be. Okay. See you around. Thank you so much. Bye. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before.
for discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days got them acting all bankless Yo fam what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear flexing broken knives I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting knives And then to end a long day 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning, forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle Eats, tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers Motherfucker screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasure under the dirt, we rape and plunder the earth. Say and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served.